In 1909, just over 100 years ago, an expedition set out from England led by a British captain called Monty Parker. And he had the goal of finding the Ark of the Covenant. He was a well-placed, wealthy British nobleman. And um, he, had, uh, he got a number of um, uh, experts, historians, some historians, some um, ar archaeologists to come help him. And they were going to read the Torah, the Bible. They were going to figure out where the Ark was placed and they were going to find it. They managed to even get permission from the Ottoman government for this expedition with a secret deal that they would split the proceeds of whatever they discover with the Ottoman government. Um, they, at first, um, dug south of Jerusalem um, in an area known as Warren's Shaft, which is a um, kind of shaft that they found that went down to um, tunnels that are underneath the, um, that are underneath the ancient city of David. Um, you could go down to those tunnels today. We did a tour when we were in Israel, and we'll be doing a tour when we go to Israel shortly. Um, and uh, they looked over there that near the Shiloach pool, but they failed after two years of digging. They still failed to find the ark. In 1911, they bribed the waqf, which is the, um, the religious trust in charge of the Temple Mount, the Muslim religious trust, for permission to dig, to secretly dig underneath the Dome of the Rock. And they secretly decided, started digging on the Dome of the Rock. They were discovered by a uh, maintenance person who was not in on the secret and was not in on the bribe. And uh, word quickly got out about that there were people digging under the Dome of the Rock to steal treasures from the Temple Mount. And as a result, riots broke out across Jerusalem. Arabs claiming they had stolen holy treasures became a big, big diplomatic incident, um, especially when it was discovered that the Ottoman authorities, both locally in Jerusalem and in Istanbul, had been in on this. Um, the um, uh, Monty Parker himself, together with his um, friends from England, all made a hasty retreat. Um, that night, they fled to Jaffa and managed to get a yacht out. Um, to leave the country before they were caught. Um, but as a result, it, it became a big scandal, um, and they did not find the Ark. Um, but the question of where the Ark and the temple treasures are have troubled, troubled people for thousands of years and enticed many, many treasure hunters throughout history to seek and find these treasures. So where are they? So in this week's Parsha, Hashem tells Moshe to build this Mishkan, this temporary temple in the desert that can be disassembled and reassembled when they travel. They use this Mishkan for 40 years until they enter the Promised Land. When they enter the Promised Land, they build a more permanent structure in Shiloh. It was destroyed after 369 years. For a few decades, the temple moved, was on the move, until King Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem, first temple, stood for 410 years, according to our sages, until it was destroyed by the Babylonians. Seventy years later, a second temple was built, which stood for 420 years, according to our sages, and was destroyed around the year 70. So both the Mishkan, the temporary temple built by Moses, and in Shiloh, as well as the two temples in Jerusalem, all had many, many important utensils, such as the Ark of the Covenant, the golden menorah, the show, showbread table, the golden altar, many, many other valuable utensils. There were also many treasures in each of these various temples. Each of these 
temples included lots of gold built within them, treasuries. What happened to all these treasures? So this is really not just a question of what happened to the treasures of a specific temple, but what happened to many different temple treasures over the years. So let's first take a look at the treasures, and then we can take a look at what might have happened to them. So the first temple was the Mishkan that was built by Moses. It includes many treasures mentioned in this week's Parsha, including the Ark, which is made of wood coated in gold. On top of it was a plate of gold um, that had these golden cherubs coming out of it, a pure golden menorah, a table made of an altar made of wood and coated in gold. There's a large copper altar in the courtyard, along with a wash basin made of copper. There's many spoons, shovels, tongs, and other dishes needed in the service. Some are made of copper, some are made of silver, some are made of gold. There also were wooden beams that were used as walls. All those walls, the Torah tells us, were coated in gold. So there's lots and lots of gold here. Um, the beams sat on a hundred pure silver bases, each of them weighing a talent, or about 125 pounds each. There were drapings for the roof, to the, and there was also a draping, a curtains to divide the rooms and in front of the entranceways. There were also special garments for the high priests. And the various priests, including the high priest garment, had gold, gar, high priest garments included gold and many precious stones on the breastplate and a phone. How much was there? So the Torah tells us in a couple weeks forward in Parshat Pekudeh, the Torah gives us an exact number. There were 30 talents of gold in the Mishkan. A talent, again, is about 125 pounds. So that's about... 375, uh, sorry, 375 uh, pounds of, silver, of gold. Um, there were about, the, the Torah tells there were 100 talents of silver and 30 talents of copper in the Mishkan. So the Mishkan itself is a lot of gold and silver. In today's money, that's a treasure worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But more importantly than the actual money value, it's a priceless treasure for the Jewish people because this is our history, right? This is the things that built by Moses. Where did they get yes. the That's an excellent question. Where did the gold and silver to build the Mishkan come from? Our sages ask that question and say that it came from Bizas Mitzrayim, from the spoils of Egypt. Before they left Egypt, Moses instructed them that they must go and ask all the Egyptians for gold and silver and copper and clothing and everything they own. And they gave, to, gave it to them. And uh, the Torah describes it, Vayinatzlu et Mitzrayim. They emptied out Egypt. So they took all the Egyptian gold and silver and everything they had. That's where they got it. The dome of the rock is, the ceiling is gold. Yes. So... 480 years after the Mishkan was built, King Solomon built the first temple in Jerusalem. And when we speak of temple treasures, this was the real temple treasures. The temple in Jerusalem was built at the height of King Solomon's reign. He was king over Israel. He had inherited the kingdom from his father, David. David had built an empire that stretched from southern Turkey all the way down to Egypt. It was a very large empire covering the entire region that's known today as the Levant, the entire east coast of the Mediterranean. Um, he was extremely wealthy, extremely powerful. And so in the book of Chronicles, in Devrei HaYamim, it gives us the exact amount of gold that he used in this temple. 
He used 100,000 talents of gold. Or that is 6,250 6, tons of gold. As well as 1 million talents of silver. 62,500 tons. That is, by the way, about 10% of all the gold and silver that exists in the world today that we know of. That's available, about 10% of it Solomon already had in his temple, if those numbers are accurate. Huge, huge amount of um, gold, uh, maybe even more than Mensa Masa, was that his name? The um, fellow from Timbuktu, the king who had endless amount of gold. Um, I don't know if he had 100,000 talents. He had a lot of gold. Um, he's supposedly the wealthiest man to have ever lived, but that's not including Solomon. So Solomon built, um, with this gold, he used it to build 10 menorahs, as well as he built a table for showbread, a golden altar. He built two giant gold cherubs in the Holy of Holies. He coated the inside walls of the temple with gold, um, he, two giant gold cherubs in addition to the ark and the cherubs on top of it. He built these two huge cherubs, ten cubits um, big with, with, um, with wings to that, ten cubits on each side. Um, he coated the inside walls of the temple with gold. He also built a giant copper pool for the Kohen to wash their hands uh, with um, the famous Pool of Solomon. And he built on it twelve, he built it standing on twelve copper oxen. So this was Solomon's temple with a huge amount of gold, silver, copper, and other precious things. So the, this temple, as we'll see, was sacked many times, but the Jews continued to donate to the temple, and the kings of Judah over the years added to its wealth, so it lost wealth, added wealth over the years. 480 years after the first temple was built, the second temple is built, um, they had some of the original utensils that Cyprus had given King Cyprus, the Emperor Cyprus had given them. Initially, the people who came to build the second temple were poor, um, and so there probably wasn't much gold there, but gradually the people of Israel became wealthier. Wealthy Jews donated to the temple. The um, temple reached its height when it was rebuilt by King Herod about 300 years later. Herod, who was very, very wealthy, built it with a lot of gold and made it a building that was admired across the Roman Empire. Gold also was donated by wealthy Jews, non-Jewish admirers from around the world. Um, and so the question is, and then it was destroyed around the year 70, what happened to all these treasures, artifacts, utensils from the Mishkan, first temple and second temple? You know there's a painting of like the Roman soldiers carrying yes. the yes, thing? Yes, I will get to that. Yes. And people think that yes. all the treasures... So let us begin with what happened to the Mishkan itself. What happened to the Mishkan that Moses built? Well, they used the Mishkan that they built for 40 years as they traveled through the desert. They took it apart, put it back together. Every time they traveled, they used it for 40 years. After Moses died, Joshua led the people into the Promised Land. The Mishkan at first was in Gilgal, which was their first campsite after they entered the Promised Land. They spent 14 years capturing it and settling the land, giving everyone their own plot. After the land was fully captured and settled, they moved the Mishkan to a place near Shechem, called Shiloh. Over there, they built walls of stone um, 
And we may have found the ruins. You could go today to Shiloh, and um, there's what we think might be the ruins of the original temple. Um, but they, they built walls of stone and put the drapings on top using the same utensils, the same furniture that Moses had built. Um, so this temple in Shiloh lasted for 369 years until a war with the Philistines in the days of the high priest Eli. The beginning of the book of Samuel, we're told that Eli's two sons, Hophni and Pinchas, brought the Ark of the Covenant that Moses had built out to war. The Jews lost this war, and the Ark was captured by the Philistines. The Philistines um, were smitten they had, by disease, and they blamed the Ark for it. They put the Ark in their, in their um, temple of their god, Dagan, and the gods were found broken on the floor the next day, and they themselves were smitten. Um, and so the Philistines decided to return the ark together with a box of gifts of um, mice and other interesting things that they considered holy um, that they sent to the Jews. Um, they, they returned the, um, the ark itself. Um, the ark ended up in a place called Kiryat Arim, which we think is west of Jerusalem. And it was taken in by a fellow called Avinadav, and it sat in his home for a couple decades. Um, while there was no temple in Shiloh. Meanwhile, eventually day King David would bring it to Jerusalem where he would bring a tent for it and uh, where he built a tent for it and outside of that tent he built a courtyard and over there he offered sacrifices in Jerusalem before the temple was built in the days of King David. They just had the ark there inside a tent and they offered sacrifices there as well. Meanwhile, the original altar built by Moses, the copper altar that had been in Shiloh. Shiloh, it's not clear if it was actually destroyed in the war by the Philistines or it was just abandoned after the loss of the Ark. Regardless, the copper altar, together with the other utensils from the, um, from the temple in Shiloh, from the Mishkan in Shiloh, were brought to a town called Nov, which was a town of Kohanim. Over there, they erected a Mishkan, they erected a temple, and they continued the regular service that they had in Shiloh for a number of decades. King Saul got angry at the Kohanim in Nov when they helped David, who he was chasing and trying to kill. They helped David escape. And so he got angry at them and he killed all the Kohanim in Nov. And as a result, the temple in Nov was abandoned. The altar and the various other things that had been in Nov, again, these are the things that had been built by Moses hundreds of years earlier, were brought to another town called, another Kohanic town called Givon, where again, a Mishkan was erected. When Solomon built the first temple, he brought the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant was now in a tent in Jerusalem. He brought it from the tent of David, and he brought it into the Holy of Holies, the original Ark. Um, he then went to Nov, to, to, sorry, he went to Givon, where the altar and the other items of the Mishkan were, and the Mishkan, and there were still services over there, there were sacrifices being brought there, and he brought the original copper altar from Moses, as well as other utensils and other things, utensils from the Mishkan, were brought to Jerusalem. What happened with them in Jerusalem? So the Tosefta in Sota tells us that the various parts of the Mishkan were hidden in Jerusalem under the temple. Um, the Tosefta tells us that the table and the altar, the original table that Moses had built, the original altar that Moses built, were used in the first temple. 
Um, so they used the same one that Moses had built in the first temple. Um, they're, um, they're, but the rest of the things appear to have been um, hidden. It's unclear. Um, it's unclear what happened to the um, the altar, the um, the copper altar. Perhaps it was hidden too. Perhaps it was used. We know Solomon built a big stone altar. It's not clear what happened to it. But definitely, some of the original utensils that had survived the over five the four hundred and eighty years until the first temple was built um, were hidden underneath the temple by King Solomon. Um, the ark itself. Um, and the table and the golden altar were used in the first temple. The other items of the temple, we're not sure what happened to them. The poles of the temple presumably were already um, hidden or something where um, they stopped using them when they built the stone walls in Shiloh. The drapings, presumably something happened to them when Shiloh was destroyed. We're not sure what happened to each thing. Maybe some things are hidden in Shiloh. Uh, much of it is presumably hidden in Jerusalem underneath the temple. Solomon then built the very first temple with immense wealth. But that wealth did not, as we mentioned earlier, huge, huge amounts of wealth, ridiculous amounts of wealth. Uh, hard to even fathom how much gold and silver he used. But that did not last very long. Because the first temple was soon sacked. Just five years after Solomon's death, Jerusalem was captured. The book of Kings tells us Jerusalem was captured by Shishak, the king of Egypt, who sacked the temple and the palace and took whatever he could back to Egypt with him. Um, the Midrash says he took Solomon's famous golden throne that he had built um, back to Egypt with him. Um, and um, presumably the rest of the wealth of Solomon and many items from the temple, much of the gold from the temple, was taken to Egypt. Was it hidden in Egypt? What happened to it in Egypt? We don't know. Many, many years later, Egypt would eventually be captured by the Babylonians and later would become captured by the Persians and eventually would become a Greek empire. What happened to all that gold? We don't know. Nothing as far as we know survived long term. Over the years, after the first sacking of the temple, the kings of Judea presumably added more gold to the temple, brought, you know, made, um, refurbished it, made it nicer. Jewish donations from around the land of Israel would have added to the temple, rebuilding it with much splendor. About 100 years after the first sacking of the temple, um, Israel at this time was split into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom of Judea and the northern kingdom of Israel. Yoash, the king of Israel, captured Jerusalem in the days of King Amatzia. And again, he sacked the temple, taking all the gold of the temple with him back to, um, back to Samaria, where um, his capital in northern Israel. Um, a later king, Ahaz, a king of Judea himself, was a wicked king. And he took all the gold and silver from the temple himself for his own treasuries. He was a king in Jerusalem. He sacked the temple himself for his own personal treasuries. It says in the book of Kings, he also took the copper bulls that were holding up Solomon's pool and sent them to the Assyrian emperor as a gift to stave off an, an invasion from the Assyrian empire. So he sent these copper bulls as a gift. Later, his son, Ahaz's son, Chizkiyahu, was again threatened by the Assyrians, and he did the same thing. 
He sacked the gold of the temple using the gold of the temple because his treasuries were already emptied from wars and uh, used the gold of the temple to pay off, attempt to pay off the Assyrian emperor not to invade Jerusalem. In the book of Kings, it told us he took the gold-plated doors of the temple and sent them to the Assyrian king. It didn't help. The Assyrian king still attempted to invade Jerusalem, although he failed um, and his army fell at the gates of Jerusalem. Following Hiskiyahu's win, presumably he amassed further treasures and they were able to decorate and add gold to the temple again. Um, and uh, the Torah tells us that one a great-grandson of King Hiskiyahu, King Yoshiah, was one of the final kings of Judea. Um, and he decided to do a huge refurbishing of the temple. It was by now an almost 400-year-old building, and so they went to a, through a huge refurbishing, and as they were refurbishing the temple, um, it tells us they found a Torah scroll, which our sages say the Torah scroll that they found here was not just any Torah scroll. This was the Torah scroll of Moses, the grandfather, a great-great-grandfather of Yoshiahu, an earlier king, Ahaz, who we mentioned earlier, sacked the temple. We are also told went on a campaign to burn Torah scrolls. He was a Jewish king that wanted to burn Torah scrolls. And so they had in the Holy Temple, in the Ark of the Covenant, they had the original Torah written by Moses. And so they hid that Torah. They didn't want him to find it. And so now in the refurbishing, the big refurbishing that they did, they found the, behind the wall, they found the um, original Torah from Moses. They opened the Torah and they, um, it was open to Parshat Nitzavim, to the portion of Nitzavim that speaks about how Israel will be, Jerusalem will be destroyed and Israel will be sent into exile. They sent for the prophet Chulda, a female prophet, who was a prophet at the time and asked her, what is the meaning of this? And she said, yes, because of your sins, the temple will be destroyed and the um, people will be sent off to exile. So the Talmud in Yuma tells us that as a result, King Yoshiyahu, this is based on um, interpreting the verses in, in um, the Book of Kings, King Yoshiyahu decided to hide the ark. And so King Yoshiyahu hid the ark underneath the temple. The Tosefta tells us that it was hidden together with the jug of manna that always sat next to the Ark of the Covenant. From the days of Moses, God had commanded Moses to take a jug of manna and place it next to the Ark of the Covenant. Um, together with the stick of Aaron and together with the box of golden gifts from the Philistines. Uh, we can assume that along with it was also the tablets that sat inside the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant as well as <laughs> the original Torah of Moses that sat inside the Ark, Ark of the Covenant were all hidden together with it. We have other sources. That's the, that is what we have from our sages. We have other sources, Jewish sources, but not from our sages, from what we call external biblical or post-biblical era books. Um, there's a book called Hashmonaim, which is a Hebrew book about the stories of the Maccabees. Um, and uh, there's another book called Chazon Baruch, which is included in the uh, Christian Bible, uh, the book of Baruch, that um, says that the gold tells of Yoshiahu hiding the ark, and it mentions the golden altar um, and the showbread table being hidden as well, um, along with the ark. Where were they hidden? So the Mishnah in Shkalim, chapter 6, tells us that they were hidden in a they were hidden near a room in the second temple known as Dir Ha'itzim. 
Dir Ha'itim means the room of wood, which is usually associated with a room known as Lishkat Ha'itim, the wood room, which was where they stored a large open room with an open roof um, in the women's courtyard, just east of the main courtyard of the temple, um, on the northeastern corner. Um, they, um, there was this room where they stored wood for the altar, and it was called Lishkat Ha'itim. And near that, in that room, or near that room, that is where they stored, that is where the ark was hidden. Um, at least it was this tradition that it was somewhere near there. Um, the Tosefta even says that one time someone, a Kohen, found the entrance to the cave that has the ark, and he called his friends, and before they were able to find him, uh, he was able to tell them where it was, he died. So they never actually found Maimonides writes, based on a view of Rabbi Yehuda in Tosefta in Erechim, that the Ark <laughs> was actually hidden below the Holy of Holies. So the Ark was always in the Holy of Holies. In the Second Temple, they didn't have an Ark. But the Ark was there in the Holy of Holies, just underground. So it's below the Holy of Holies. Perhaps both <laughs> claims are true. Perhaps the entrance to the cave was from the Dir Ha'itim, which would be a couple hundred feet away, but it was actually found under the Holy of Holies. So in other words, it was a cave that the entrance was near that room of the wood, where they, the wood storage room, but it was a long cave and that ended and the ark was actually beneath the Holy of Holies, possibly. We don't know. Regardless, we believe that it is somewhere under the Temple Mount waiting to be found along with parts of the Mishkan the Ark and these central items are somewhere there under the Temple Mount. Yes? If he just found the scroll, yeah, just found why the didn't scroll. he find the rest of it that should have all been with it? When he, when, was it Solomon who found the scroll? No. Two different things. King Yoshiahu oh. found a scroll, the scroll, the, whole, the Torah, the original Torah of Moses, that had been hidden in the days of King Ahaz. Right, but... King Yoshiyahu, upon finding that scroll and being told by the prophet Chulda that the, um, that the temple will be destroyed, hid the ark along with the scroll. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Got it. Thank you. <coughs> I, have, I have a question. Yes. With all the technology we have today, could they... Excellent question. I will get to that. When the Babylonians captured the first temple, when the Babylonians captured Jerusalem and destroyed the first temple, we are told they took all the utensils from the temple back to Babylon. The book of Kings tells us they took all the gold and silver pans and spoons and pots and sticks and forks and gold, silver and copper. It gives us a long list later in the book of Ezra. It's going to tell us the things that were given back when they built the second temple. It says there were 5,400 utensils that were given back. So at least that many were taken. They also took the two copper pillars that Solomon had built. They also took the pool of Solomon. They broke it down. It was too large to carry. It was a very large pool. They broke it down and they took it back with them. They also took the base of the wash basin, of the washing urn that was used to wash, the washing bowl that was used for the Kohen, which was the pool, the base of the pool. So... 
So they took which in, the oxen had gone been taken away some time ago. They must have had a base instead, a base of the pool. Interestingly, though, they do what's missing notably is the ark, which is presumably hidden earlier by King Yoshio, the showbread table, the menorah, the golden altar, all the special things, the special utensils, along with the golden clothing of the high priest, all the jewels, none of them are mentioned um, in the book of Kings as the things that were taken, or laid in the book of Ezra as the things that were returned. So essentially it was just the bowls and spoons and forks and plates. Those were the things that, those were the golden silver treasures that were taken. But the primary items of the temple, the menorah and the ark and the showbread table, none of those things were, and the um, gold and the altar, none of those things were taken. And the high priest's clothing, presumably all those things were hidden. Were they hidden before the capture of Jerusalem? We could assume so. They were either hidden before the capture or during the capture. They were whisked away. Somehow they were all hidden. Where? We don't know. We don't know where they were. Um, the utensils, later I'll tell you, we might know. The utensils um, are mentioned later in the book of Daniel when Belshazzar, a later Babylonian king, makes a big feast and he brings out the utensils from the temple. But they you bring out which utensils? Presumably the forks and the spoons and the plates um, and the, the pitchforks and the various other items, but not the primary things, because they didn't have that. Later, the book of Ezra tells us that when Cyprus allowed the Jews to rebuild the temple, they, to rebuild the second temple, he gave them 5,400 utensils. And again, it lists forks and spoons and plates and bowls um, but, and pitchforks, but it wasn't the, um, these were the various items and pans, these were the various pots, these were the various items that were used, but they were not the primary utensils of the temple. They must have built new ones, and we know they did. They built a new menorah, new showbread table, new, um, uh, new altar, um, new um, urn for washing. They built new, but they did not build the ark. There's only one ark, the Ark of the Covenant. And so the second temple did not have an ark. Now, the people who originally built the second temple were very poor. They had the treasures given to them by Cyprus, by Cyrus, sorry, but otherwise they were very, very poor. Um, slowly, over time, they became wealthier. Wealthy Jews donated more and more and more to the temple, and the temple slowly became more and more wealthier and wealthier. There was more and more gold in the temple. Around 200 years after they built the temple, the temple was sacked by the Greeks, led by King Antiochus in a prelude to the story of Hanukkah. The temple itself was turned into a Greek temple for Greek idols. The Midrash tells us a story about a Jew called Yosef Meshisa, who was first sent into the temple and told that whatever he takes first belongs to him. And he took out the golden menorah. The Greeks took it away from him. Um, what they did with this golden menorah, we don't know. This is not Moses' golden menorah. This is a later version built by the people who built the second temple. What they did with his golden menorah, we don't know. Presumably, he brought it back to his capital, which is in um, Antioch, um, which was where they, they just had the ancient city of Antioch was where that earthquake was, right? And the city was yeah. destroyed again. Um, but uh, maybe somewhere deep down there is that golden menorah from the second temple. We don't know. Um, 
Later, the Hashmonaim, um, the Maccabees, um, were able to drive out the Greeks. The story that we celebrate on Hanukkah. They came back to the temple. They were very, very poor. So poor that we are told that the um, so poor that they were only a, the Talmud says they only built a temple out a menorah out of iron. They were not able to build a menorah from gold because they didn't have enough gold. They were very, very poor. It was only later they built a menorah out of silver until finally they were able to build later a golden menorah. So they did refurbish the temple, but it really took some time to really make the temple nice. Um, it was only about a century after the Hashmonaim that Herod became king of Israel. He was very close with the Romans. Great builder, very, very, very wealthy, and he rebuilt the temple, under, built a big, beautiful temple that was a splendor, the most beautiful building in the, of the Roman Empire in his days, large, grander. Like Solomon, he coated the walls of the temple in gold. At this time, there are many, many, many golden utensils. At this time, by this time, after the time of Herod, the temple is very, very wealthy. There are Jews all over the world, all across the Roman Empire and in Babylon and Persia. And Jews are sending gifts to Jerusalem constantly. And so the temple becomes extremely, extremely wealthy. Many great treasures. We're told there's a golden vine that hung over the entrance to the temple. Um, there was a queen, Hilni, and her son, Munbaz, who were um, from a... Um, kingdom called um, Adiabene, which was which is in modern day northern Iraq, Kurdish Iraq, um, and they uh, they don't, they converted to Judaism, moved to Jerusalem, and they donated a huge amount of wealth to the temple. Um, and so the temple at this time, at its height, uh, we're talking about the year zero, uh, or a little before the year zero, was now extremely extremely wealthy, very very fancy, filled with gold, very very beautiful. However, it didn't last long. After the death of Herod, Judea becomes a Roman province. The Roman governors, who were all corrupt, repeatedly sacked the temple. It was a great source of wealth for them. Lots of gold and silver could be found there in the temple. Great place to, um, they needed money for themselves, for their lavish lifestyle, to bribe whichever Roman officials in Rome they needed to bribe to hold their positions, to pay for their armies. The temple was a great resource for them, and that's the way they saw it, and they regularly sent in their armies to sack the temple. The Jews, of course, were not very happy about it. It led to constant problems. Repeated sacking of temple treasury, treasuries was the constant reason for rebellion against Rome. In fact, it was the sacking of the temple treasury by Florus, the final um, governor from the uh, um, uh, Roman governor of Israel um, who sent his soldiers to sack the temple. The Jews getting advance notice all gathered in Jerusalem to block, physically block them. They killed the Jews that were in their way, trampling on them with their horses. And that really led to this final revolt. Um, that the Jews rebelled, threw the Romans out of Israel, and um, the emperor Vespasian came back with a huge army to capture Israel in a very, very bloody war described in the book of Josephus and in many other places. Um, they ended up capturing Jerusalem. Titus ended up capturing Jerusalem and destroying the temple. When they destroyed the temple, they intended to take, they burned the temple, they intended to take the treasures of the temple. Josephus tells us that the Romans hired a Jew by the name of Yehoshua ben Tabuti to be in charge of removing the treasures. 
And Josephus described that he brought two gold menorahs that were similar to the one in the temple, together with golden tables, plates, bowls. He also gave them curtains. Uh, he also um, gave them curtains. He found the clothing of the high priest. High priests. There were various copies, it appears, of clothing of the high priest. Then the Romans managed to capture the treasurer of the temple, whose name was Pinchas, and he showed the Romans where there were a lot of clothing for the Kohanim and material used for the clothing and the curtains and many other things. He showed them where many of these things were hidden. These things were all taken to Rome and used in a victory procession in Rome, described along with Jewish slaves, um, Jews that had been captured and were now used as slaves, um, described in detail by Josephus's account. But amazingly, Josephus's account tells us that there were menorahs here, but not the originals. So the original menorah, the original golden altar, the showbread table were not taken. What happened to them? We don't know. We assume they were hidden before the Romans got there. Who hid them? Where were they hidden? We have no idea. There is a menorah depicted in Titus's arch. So not long after Titus's procession, after his death, his brother, who became the next emperor, erects this huge arch, and they have this. There's this beautiful, and the arch still stands today in Rome, one of the few ruins that are still around from that period. And um, there's a depiction <coughs> on the arch of the Jewish slaves carrying the items of the temple, and one of the items is this beautiful golden menorah. This beautiful menorah. Um, the it's generally assumed that the depiction of the, the menorah in that picture is not the same as the menorah in as the original menorah. Notably, the menorah has a hexagon, two-layered bottom in that picture, Titus's picture, um, while the original menorah stood on a tripod on three legs. So it was a square with three legs underneath. Um, so it was does not appear to have been the same. Also, our tradition is that the original menorah had diagonal branches. This one has round branches. So it was likely another menorah, as Josephus himself writes, that it was a cup, another menorah that looked similar to the menorah in the temple. That's what Josephus writes. The Talmud tells us, interestingly, that the great sages, Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, went to Rome to lobby the Romans for the Jews, the Jews, there were a lot of anti-Jewish um, laws then. While they were in Rome, the emperor's daughter fell ill and they managed miraculously to heal her. And as a reward, they were given a chance to see the temple treasures. And this is just a few decades after the destruction of the temple. And they saw over there the menorah, the curtain of the Holy of Holies that kind of separated the room of the Holy of Holies, as well as the golden breast, the golden forehead plate that sits of the high priest. The priest, high priest wore a plate, a golden plate over his forehead that said the words, Kodesh Lashem, holy to Hashem. And they describe what they saw. However, the other sages, the Talmud tells us, were skeptical that what they saw were real treasures. And they didn't believe that their descriptions of it, of what they saw, were accurate descriptions of the real one. And in fact, they debate and they tell them that what you saw don't match the descriptions that we know of what the forehead plate of the menorah looked like, and so what these things looked like, and they disregard their descriptions, not believing that these were the originals. 
They rather think they were, the sages believed that they were copies. What they had in Rome was not the originals. What happened to the originals? We don't know. So there were definitely some treasures in Rome. They were housed in a place called the Peace Gardens uh, near um, the Tiber River. And um, there was a fire in the year 191 in the Peace Gardens. Much of it was burned. We don't know if the treasuries of the temple, the treasures of the temple survived that or not. But Rome was eventually sacked in the year 410 by the Vandals from North Africa. Um, it was sacked again by the Vandals in 455. All the treasures were taken. There is a claim, an old claim, that King Alaric of the Visigoths um, took the treasures of the temple when he sacked Rome in 410, and he had it buried, and he became king in Italy, and he had them buried with him when he died. There is another claim, a much later claim, that they were brought to Carthage by the Vandals after they sacked Rome in 455. And the whole temple treasures were in Carthage. Later, Carthage itself was sacked by the Byzantines. Um, and the Byzantines bought, brought the temple treasures back to Constantinople. And later, the emperor Justinian sent those treasures to Jerusalem. And they were hidden in the church um, well, one of the churches in Jerusalem. This is already once Rome was Christian. What happened to those treasures? We don't know. Jerusalem itself was later captured in the early 7th century by the Persians um, who sacked Jerusalem and destroyed many of the churches. Uh, later, the Romans, the Byzantines captured it back. And just a couple years later, the Muslims captured it. And then they ended up building mosques on the Temple Mount. What happened to all those treasures that were in Jerusalem? If they were there, we don't know. What happened to the earlier treasures that were hidden in Jerusalem? We don't know. Now there's been a persistent myth that tells us that the treasures of the Holy Temple were somehow, are somehow found in the Vatican. Now, the... The source for that is the Vatican has always been, for hundreds of years, um, a source of great secrecy. There's all sorts of secrets about the Vatican. Um, partly because there's all sorts of um, conspiracy theories have been created by anti-Catholics over the years about the Vatican, and even Catholics that dislike the popes for whatever reason about the Vatican. Partly because the Vatican themselves have a tendency for secrecy, still till today. In fact, the Vatican Library, which no doubt and has a huge amount of treasures from all sorts of places, is one of the few libraries in the world today that still has no public catalog. Almost every library in the world today has a public catalog and can be found online um, easily with the public and is, um, uh, can easily be found online. And there is no public catalog for the Vatican. So they're one of the few things without open reading rooms that you can go in and get anything you want or look at anything you want. Uh, one of the few places like that still in the world today. So the Vatican is still famous for its secrecy, so you can see why there are theories that it is all hidden in the Vatican. In reality, the and there have been many people who have tried to go to the Vatican and find stuff and secretly look for stuff. And there is, by the way, no question that the Vatican has and had Jewish treasures. 
stuff stolen from Jews over the years, Jews in Italy or in other Catholic lands, and that ended up in the Vatican. Um, there were Jews in recent decades who managed to smuggle stuff out of the Vatican, important works. Um, there are also people, Rabbi Bleich from um, New York, um, was very involved in um, Jewish-Catholic relations. And uh, once in the Vatican says that he got to see um, the original manuscript of Maimonides Mishneh Torah. Um, and so they definitely have some very fascinating stuff there. Um, and some of which is not public. But they almost certainly do not have any temple treasuries. Be treasures. Because we don't know how much of the original temple treasures even made it to Rome to start with. Some of them definitely did. Probably not the most important ones, but some of them did. Um, what, those treasures were probably long destroyed before the Vatican was even built. Um, remember, it was part of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire itself was sacked multiple times. The, the areas belonged to the Roman Empire. The Bishop of Rome at that time was just one of many bishops, um, not considered kind of a, not having a unique role until much, 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 much later. The role of the Pope uh, and the, as the leader of the Catholic Church is only something that came much, 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 much later. Um, the Popes themselves only really um, the um, first buildings um, of the Basilica of St. Peter was only built um, much, much later, hundreds of years later. Um, later, the popes didn't even live there in what today we call the Vatican. Um, they, had, uh, they, they didn't live in the Vatican at all. It was only much later that, and at a later stage, there was a period that the popes didn't even live in Rome during the 14th century. Um, they lived in Avignon in France for a period. And it was only in the, 14th, in the 15th century that the Vatican as we know it was actually created. Some 1400 years after the destruction of the temple. So it's highly, highly unlikely that in the various treasures that the Vatican collected in the last couple hundred years that they ever managed to get their hands on temple treasures. Possible, but highly, highly unlikely. So it's probably not there, although they certainly have other interesting Jewish treasures. So in the 17th century, there was a, um, a German rabbi, Rav Naftali Herz Bachrach, who traveled to Tzfat, where he found various manuscripts, various ancient manuscripts. Among the manuscripts that he found was a manuscript called Mesechet Klei HaMikdash. The book, it's a short manuscript, about a page, the book of the utensils of the temple. And while we don't have the original manuscript that he found, um, historians largely believe, uh, because we have parallel manuscripts we've found since, that the manuscript is accurate, was a real ancient manuscript. How old it was, it's hard to know without the original. But it was an ancient manuscript that he found. And the manuscript describes where various items in the temple were hidden. Most of it describes amounts of gold and silver that were hidden in various places. But it also mentions very explicitly the clothing of the high priest, the um, stones of the high priest, the clothing of the priests, um, that they were all hidden near the Euphrates River. Um, the various things that are described that are hidden in various different places all appeared to refer to places in Babylon. 
where Jews lived. Where, because, I mean, the Euphrates River is the easy giveaway that it's all in Babylon. Um, but where exactly in Babylon these places are, it's hard to know. Presumably, if these things were hidden in Babylon, it's presumed that this is a manuscript of things that were hidden from the first temple. But we don't know. We don't know for certain. We don't know for certain what was hidden, how it was hidden, when we don't know. We don't know where it came from. Is this someone's imagination later? Is this an accurate manuscript? It's hard to know. Fast forward a couple hundred years, and Yigal Yadin, who was Israel's most famous archaeologist, heard that there was a Arab in East Jerusalem who had this very unusual scroll that had been found in the Dead Sea Caves along with the Dead Sea Scrolls. He had managed to get his hands on it, and he had it. Um, and so in 19, he, um, Yigal Yal managed to figure out who the fellow was. In 19, um, uh, so, sorry, they found this very unusual scroll in the, um, in, uh, among the Dead Sea Scrolls. And um, the, this scroll was interestingly made of copper. It was unlike most scrolls that are made of either papyrus or leather. This was a copper scroll. Copper scrolls are very unusual with the wording etched in it. This scroll, sorry, was found by the, in, near the Dead Sea and is found today in Jordan, in Amman, in the museum in Jordan. And they opened up this scroll. They managed, opening copper is very, very hard. They managed to open up, unroll the copper, um, and they um, made special plates for it. They photographed it, and then people worked on this scroll. And this scroll is a place of some 30 different places where there is buried treasure around the land of Israel. 30 different places where there is buried treasure. Again, it's hard to identify any of these places, and it's unclear where this treasure is from. Is it from the temple? Is it from the first temple? Is it from the second temple? Is it perhaps from a later time, from another maybe collection of treasures, a huge amount of treasure? Where is this buried treasure from? We don't know. So again, we have these various reports of buried treasure. Um, where today are the artifacts in the temple of the temple? We honestly don't know. That's the short answer. I guess I could have said that at the very beginning. We really don't know. Um, some artifacts were hidden over the years under the Temple Mount, without a doubt. Some may have been hidden near Shiloh. Much of it was hidden under the Temple Mount. The Arabs have not allowed us to dig the Temple Mount. Um, there have been some short digs. There was in the late 19th century, there was some digs under the Temple Mount that were allowed in the early 20th century. There was kind of this secret Parker expedition that dug briefly under the Temple Mount. There was later some excavations done um, at a later stage in the 1930s, but generally the Arabs did not allow anyone to dig under the Temple Mount. So there's definitely stuff there under the Temple Mount. What there is, we don't know. Even if there isn't buried treasure, there's definitely many, many years of history. In fact, in the early 2000s, the Arabs decided, on the, the Waqf on the Temple Mount decided to excavate a certain part of the Temple Mount, the southern end of the Temple Mount, uh, with the intent of um, building um, entrances into the, um, into the underground um, stables or the underground rooms um, so that it could be used as a mosque, which they were going to build into a mosque. They excavated a huge a couple tons of dirt. They dumped it in the Kidron Valley. Um, Israel um, took all that dirt and sifted through it and found all sorts of fascinating things, things from 
second temple period, things from later periods. They found all sorts of fascinating things in that dirt. Um, again, these are the only things that were found from the Temple Mount area, but we don't know what's exactly under the Temple Mount. So there's definitely many things that were just lost there. We just dropped there over the years, layers upon layers. There was a mosque there for many years. There were before the Arabs, there were Christians, before the Christians, there were Arabs, before the Arabs, there were Christians, before the Christians, there were Arabs, before that, there were Christians, right? There were churches there before that. There were the Jews, the second temple was there, the first temple was there. There was a lot there over the years. So then there's a long history. They've been digging around the Temple Mount, and there's been extensive digging. There's Davidson Center to the south of the Temple Mount. There's the Temple Tunnels to the west side of the Temple Mount. So there's been a lot of digging around the Temple Mount, but nothing really on the Temple Mount itself. So we really don't know um, what is there under the Temple Mount, but much treasure must be under the Temple Mount. There is also lots of other hidden treasures. We have at least two scrolls, or two reports of hidden treasure that identify various places. People have attempted to dig in these various places or thought they could figure out where these places are. Nobody, as far as we know, has found anything of meaning yet, uh, but there are those treasures somewhere. Where exactly they are, we don't know, uh, <coughs> but there may be something that has survived from the original temple treasures. Regardless, though we lost the temple treasures over the years, we don't know where they are. They are somewhere to be found. But we don't know where all these treasures are. The true treasure was the temple itself. Our sages say that when the temple was destroyed, was going to be destroyed, um, this great sage Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked for a meeting with the emperor Vespasian. And he was granted it. Vespasian, he told Vespasian that he was going to become emperor. He does become emperor right then and there. And... Um, he wanted to reward Rabbi Yochanan for predicting that he would become emperor. And he asked Rabbi Yochanan, tell me what you would like. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh says, spare the town of Yavna and allow the sages to flee there. Allow the Sanhedrin Supreme Council of Judaism to reconvene over there. And the academies, the yeshiva to be rebuilt over there. The Talmud points out that he did not ask them to spare the temple itself. Whether that was the right thing to do or not is debated. But regardless, what survived, the temple itself is long gone. We've lost it 2,000 years ago. We pray for a temple to be rebuilt. But what survived is our, our people have survived. Not just our people, the Torah has survived. And that is our true treasure. That is the true treasure of the people. The true treasure that the Jews have is the Torah. And the Torah can never be taken away from us. Though Jews have been persecuted, many Jews have been killed over the years, much of our treasures have been taken, the Torah itself continues to survive and thrive. And so though we may not have the original artifacts of the temple, we still have the Torah that has survived, that continues to survive, um, and that continues to grow today, um, thousands and thousands of years after the Torah was given, thousands of years after the temple was destroyed. And we do pray, though, for God to speedily bring Mashiach, who will rebuild the temple, and we believe he will find the missing ark of the covenant under the temple, and he will find the other missing things, and we will be able to rebuild and restore the temple as it once was.